penis and a female has a vagina. <laughs> That's how we should start. I did hit record. You're in luck. What up? <laughs> what up? Lacey and Jamie on our phones <laughs> to begin the thing. We're just having a little matcha. <laughs> We both can drink matcha. We get tummy aches. Uh, I get tummy aches from Instagram. You know what I noticed? Ram Dass and um, uh, William Montgomery have the same. They go. Fuck. Do I look cute? You do look cute. No, I don't. No, you do. I thought you looked cute. Alex? Alex, what do you think? Do you think she looks cute? Yeah. Okay, good. You know the record button's on, right? Yeah, I do. It's fine. But you also know that I'm a goddamn champion editor. This is what it's like hanging out in the green room. Are we giving people... (laughs) This is like the backstage access. Lacey's taking selfies. This is like lead after dark during the day. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mystical (laughs) Mystical. (laughs) What do the people want to hear? It's a great place to start. Current state of practice. That's good. It's raining outside. We see one of the ways that we see rain is completion of a prayer cycle. And it does feel that this is coming. This rain is coming at a time to reflect on the dry earth that was before it. Yeah, I can dig that. (laughs) Lacey Delmore is here to help me sort this out. You look beautiful. You are my partner. We've been together a long time. Almost the scratchy seven. Maybe we took care of the itch a little early. Yeah, I don't feel itchy at all. There are no fixed positions in our relationship. But that's contingent on a lot of things. What's it contingent on? A strong relationship with yourself. And for me, a strong relationship with God Mm. or truth. Yeah, but what's truth? I'm the skeptic now. What's truth? Where's the baseline of truth? See, right then you get thrown into a thing where it has to make sense, but God can just be your God. God can be your God. And so when you speak about it, you don't have to go, well, they can, but truth is a word that feels like it's everybody's. And God is a word that feels like it's it's well established that it's multiple people's God and everybody's version of that. And so you get to have your own without disclaimer, I feel like, at this point. Well, you're, then you're I'm fucking. reclaiming having truth as my own. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm not talking about my truth. <laughs> I'm talking about truth. Okay, wait, hold on. What about the my truth people? Hey, can sure everybody's included? Wait, no. Hey, what about the people? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Change the channel. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So seriously. Okay, so let's talk about your reliance on God for a second. I want to ask you about reliance on God to Lacey Delmore. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's what I should do. It's obedience. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, God, even fucking stickier. Great. Oh, great. I just feel like I got a great interview here. I feel like I'm about to fucking do some gotcha journalism up in this motherfucker. (laughs) Do tell about obedience to your Lord. Oh, sorry. I'm putting words in your mouth. God. 
<laughs> God. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I think that what I need to do is jump into the mind of if we were outside of this thing looking in, what would we want to know about? Okay, cool. So if I were Lacey and she's saying, God, Lacey, tell me about your relationship with God. I have a mom, I have a dad, and I have a brother, and all of them are biological, and all of them are still living, and I have close relationships with all of them, and they don't know about, really, about my relationship with God. So, no, I didn't grow up with any religion, but I was raised with love and, I think, freedom to be myself and safety, maybe too much safety. So there was a me that was allowed to explore. I didn't much until later. What's later? I mean, like how later and how's that come about? How old are you now? Check in. 37. How long has this relationship with the G-O-D word been going on? I would say Course in Miracles opened that book probably about seven, eight years ago. And Marianne Williamson was probably like my first direct experience with understanding God in a way that I never had. Hmm. Um, How do you go from zero God to Marianne Williamson, though? I don't know, actually. I remember picking up Course in Miracles in the bookshelf at, I don't know if it was Passages or Acadia. I opened it, I took it to the beach, I read it, and I was like, I don't even understand any of this. When you were working in treatment... You grabbed one of the treatment books off the shelf, the the books that people that treatment centers keep along for to hopefully that some addict who's new in recovery will be walking along by the fucking yeah. bookshelf and grab a thick ass book like Course in Miracles and dig in. And that's why it's there. And instead, you being a someone who worked there and somebody who if you're working there, you probably are more likely to be investing in spiritual growth, maybe even than the person who's in treatment. Yeah, and I still have their copy. I should probably just leave one at the front door. That would be kind of fun. Oh, that's I that's, have Acadia's copy. Yeah, that's dope. Um, maybe we should like um, a Zorro it with like Lita, like like a brand. <laughs> like brand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've probably said this before on the podcast, but I've always felt, I'm a Pisces. I feel okay at this point to say that I I think I really believe in astrology. What are you and trying to get us canceled? I've always had some like sort of whimsical, intuitive nature about me. Me and my best friend Becky, um, we just always had like a, we had an on and off relationship our whole life, but when we got really close in later high school, early college, we would have these like really mature, deep conversations. And we would always say like, they get it. We would call we would call it. Oh, they get it. We would talk that. about people like they understand from a deeper place. Wow, that's and beautiful. we really like bonded from that space. Wow, that's early. That's such good. Yeah, early spirituality spotting. I'm gonna in the youth. I'm gonna claim that relationship as a place where I was able to have deep conversations. Nice. Get ready, everybody. Oprah, big deal. Was yeah. a big doorway into spirituality. Yeah, I'm not going to shit on that. B- b- huge Super Soul Sunday. I just told one of my clients. She's like, Lacey, do you have any guidance on how to help like fall asleep at night? Like, what makes you like if you're having a hard time sleeping? And I was like, well, just like visualize something that makes you like 
feel really peaceful and happy and excited. And I was like, I used to envision Jamie and I getting married. I was like, that's no longer a thing. (laughs) I was like, you're the only other person besides Jamie who knows this, but I would envision myself being interviewed by Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. And it would give me like this joyful feeling. Um, So she was super gateway. That friendship with Becky was a gateway. I just always felt like there was a deeper place in me that was ready and willing to have conversations. That relationship with Becky, I was starting to explore deeper conversations. Started working in treatment at 21. That just expanded my experience of being a human being. It just, I always felt like there was something more. But but when Marianne when I got to Marianne Williamson and she said God is love I was like oh like oh she said hundred percent done oh like, that's great that's the deal for me yeah and only love is real right everything else is unreal the only thing that's real is love and I have yet to find that an untrue statement the relationship with God has developed over time but like that was definitely my entry and I went back to Course in Miracles later on and listened to it on YouTube being read by like the most dry person ever um, but it just started to like complete you know you can't name what's going on in that moment that something's clicking I have to advocate additionally for you as being one of these people who there's a variety of spiritual seeker who is not doing it when it's convenient is doing it when it's inconvenient. And I will say that that listening to the Course in Miracles read by that dry person, I know for a fact that that was also what was free on YouTube. And so you're having to listen from your car with that janky ass system of like with the cord with using YouTube. So you have to keep YouTube open if you don't have YouTube premium. Like writing down Canaan. Commercials coming on and like doing that on your way into work to go sit with uh, people all day who are in treatment as lost as it gets and as found as it gets. But you doing that, that's a very specific kind of spiritual seeker. And I know that kind of hunger and we share that. And that was one of those badass things of like, talk about she gets it. That's a badass bitch who's listening after a full day of sitting with clients is listening to some shit on the way home to enrich herself which is like that invisible community. It's like having an invisible community of, of, of uh, all the wise people on the yeah. planet, you know? Yeah, it's no, pop- it's, it still is. That's still a, something I resource for me. But, th- but it's interesting because the question here is like, the I that was choosing to listen to that on the way home, I, 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 don't, I still don't know if that was me or if that was you know, my soul before me making the crooked line straight, like trying well, to Well, tell me, me the in. difference because you're going to lose people right there. And I want to know the difference between who's you and a the soul. There's, there's what's, what, what gets it? What do you have going on as far as identifying a you plus it sounds like a soul? What's the you in that? And, and how many yous are there? Well, so I, th- what I see mostly with people in the work and myself, of course, obviously. Yeah is uh, a conditioned self. Yeah. It's the personality that's constructed over time that seeks safety and security. It happens with not much consent. It's a it's a reaction and a response to your environment. Then if you're lucky in your early adult life, 
there, there's conflict, there's dysregulation, what's going on. There, it feels like there's something else. The soul, spirit, God within, Buddha nature. Those are all the same thing in this example? Yes. Cool. Is emerging and going like, hey, we don't need to be safe and secure anymore. That was just a response to like get through life. And now we're wanting true liberation and expression and creativity. And there's this moment in which I feel like the two start to have conflict, I guess, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when people come to me mm. and I, I give voice to the soul, spirit, God, self before all the conditioning and you give voice to it because it is a universal voice that is, I think that, so. that speaks through you, through this work? I, yeah, I guess. I mean, the more that I've connected with that part of myself, yeah. the Christ consciousness, God, Buddha with, like all of what, spirit, soul, I have to give it many names because it's just people that yeah. are just drawn to a different name. But sure. the more I've trusted in that and, and continue to connect to that and feed that, um, that speaks for me, that is in charge, that's in the driver's seat, rather than my fear, fuck, I don't trust, let me use the external world to tell me that I'm safe, let me have a good job. That's the God that you have a relationship with. It's not in a religion necessarily, it's, it's what they all refer to, but you're having your own experience with this three-letter word. Yeah. Inspired by these traditions, but not sort of belonging to necessarily any of them as George Harrison did almost you're you're referring to it as god and you're not sort of you're making less and less uh disclaimer about Yeah that. and and most of like the texts that I've I read is generous in saying like god or spirit or soul there's like an asterisk at the bottom of the book that'll say like you know these terms are also synonymous or god is love and you know, I'm just finding that there's this this way in which we can talk about God that's really vast and open. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I don't know. I can't explain its resonance over time with me, but it feels like home. That's great. And it, you know, what's great is that you're you're in a position to be able to speak on the evolution of your relationship with God, based in you're not having a pre dating relationship with it coming into this completely in a religionless family where God bless you wasn't even said. I know what it is. What? Working in treatment <clears throat> and sitting with so many, I mean, sitting directly with so many different people with different experiences, insanely different stories, yeah. and me being able to see the same thing in all of them, mm -hmm. that's God to me. Mm, yeah. Like, that's it. Like right. that's what got me on the fast track Beautiful. to my relationship with God. And I think made both you and I successful is just like, I just immediately see beyond the presentation right. of perpetrator or drug addict or whatever is trying to be presented me. I just and we're like, all the people that have the documentation in that moment. I mean, we're, we literally have documentation to say oh, that yeah, they are that all tells these things. Me, here's a, here's a, police record yeah. here's the yeah. the diagnosis and yeah. their treatment stays over the time and so we're in a position really to 
to have what society would deem the most accurate appraisal of this individual based on the information. And yet, through all of that, you and I sit with people and we see something else that's not on the paper. And we speak to that part of them and they fucking emerge they emerge they're connected the they, best of them they want to be asked the the deeper questions i mean just like you know like my favorite archetype in treatment was like the young 23 <laughs> year old like gangster kid who's like comes in and he's just like his dad dad tattoos on his face and i get him in a room and he's just like the sweetest just like most gentle thing in the world and and that's my boy that's your demographic (laughs) (laughs) like but that's Uh, it that's really basically the woodstock 99 style male the Woodstock 99 style male is the one that Lacey does the best with. That, and like even maybe like a little more like like the rapper, like oh, yeah. like the just like the just so, and it's just like, go ahead, try me with your hard ass attitude. Well, and they like, can see that you are the therapist who most likely sat at the, at the, at the skate park. They can see the skate park in your youth yeah. in the way that you treat people. And that's a very unique thing. You know, you haven't lost that aspect of things. You're, into urban culture and you were raised with it same as me yeah so there's a bit of that in everything we do but that's like where that is really where my belief in god i think came from seeing the god in all of these like in the ceo because i used to be really intimidated with like older white men professional white men yet that was like my client a lot of the time yeah and and it was just like just, they were like big versions of the of the twenty year olds in a, in a way. Yeah, we would they, always say like the it was either the rich dad, their kid, or their alcoholic wife. Like that was kind of like our demographic a lot of the time in early working early treatment. But that's where my belief in God came from. Is there was a place in everybody that I could speak to that was just across the board the same. They get it. Yeah, they get. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like they get it. So that's it. wonderful that's it and then my own personal relationship um has developed because of my my difficulty with the body you know i've had a lot of difficulties with my body presenting with um pain and you know i'm careful about how i talk about it these days but but that's really driven me to understand my experience beyond what i can see we'll do back and forth like this I know what I want to ask. How have you gotten to a point in your life where there's no struggle? Facing all life struggles right. and calling the bluff on it enough times. You know, the, How do you call the bluff? You face it to see that your worst fear about it isn't met. Yeah. And you survive it. All of my boogeymen in life, and let's just say the things that were the scariest things for me to face or look at, especially within myself, I have faced in a very elaborate obstacle course over the last eight years that has damn near killed me. And I think it's through those kinds of efforts. I mean, all I can say is that I haven't had a struggle in a while. There was a very obvious shift in me that deepened at a certain point recently but the last four months have been uncategorical. In more recent time, I'm in a constant state of everything is the same, which is all wonderful, and I'm here, and I could disappear any second, 
and I feel like I barely have a body, and I'm not something necessarily um, at this moment really to compare to anything. You know, I wouldn't feel that it's fair because I don't know. I didn't know that anything like this is possible. I squoze out something new that hasn't has a long tradition now of non-Jamie elements in the driver's seat of the experience. Professionally and as a pastime, I have focused on serving beings in a concentrated way. I haven't been doing it because I wanted to get there faster. I've just been doing it because like, it becomes a larger part of your thing where you go like, well, shit, if this is the game of life. You always say there's no self. And I, of course, know what that means. But I only have known what that means more recently, probably in the last six months to a year. Um, like viscerally understand that. And I think that it's used a lot in like conversation and... I don't know if people really understand what that experience is like or what how you get there or what that really means. Well, I have a counter. I wonder if you could tell me what it's like living with somebody who you think is worthy of that question. It's just how you function. <laughs> it's like, like a car asking about itself to a mechanic. Because of the depth of this question because of the non-relatability that I think this question has in it of like no self and like what is that and what does that mean I think that an example is with your children you mean in my parenting them yeah and you're parenting them like even on like a Sunday you know where there's just this like full and I'm included in it too you know like this Sunday I ran a marathon and like I had a bunch of laundry to do and Jamie easily did not have to do my laundry and Sundays are historically a busy day for you because you have to take them home and they usually want to do something and they're with us for such a short time and they're ever changing and so it's a lot to tend to on that specific day every week is what I see. Mm-hmm. And I always see you wake up and like just charge into the day, um, you know, taking the dog for a walk because that's your day to take her on a walk. Like you don't complain about it and you don't like, it's just really all about everybody else. Like, especially with them, you're not establishing yourself as a dad or, or as an important person, or as somebody of authority. There's just like such an open vastness, like no identity. And it changes so quickly with them. Like their needs change so quickly, especially in this period of time. Yeah, You remain so receptive to that. They're a constant area in which I see you just fully give yourself away all the time. Huh. I guess like another good example is, you know, Jamie, he's uh, prone to move towards people wherever we go. And he wants to quickly figure out how he can make them feel better. Like, it's just like immediately, how can I make this feel better? This person feel better, better, whether it's like supporting their business or giving them a compliment on. I'm just open about what I'm experiencing in the moment with people. 
that's the difference. I think that most people recognize, or on some level, they can recognize the good that's around them, but we're just not taking stock of it in that moment. And everywhere I go, I'm really in love. I'm in love with the things that are happening, and I see people's destitution, and I see their grace, and I see their beauty, and I see their ugliness, and I see all the different shades, and I just love it all because it's like, oh, there's that thing over there. Oh, there's that. Of course that happens in right. the world. You know, and, and, and I'm just vocal about it. And so it's like, it's like so people can at least meet one person that is genuine and honest with them about what it's like being in their space. I just don't hide anything from them. But my question to myself in this is like, you know, what is that? What is guiding that? You know, what can create that where you genuinely are in love with these things and want to make them feel better, not because it makes you feel better. You're not needing anything from them. I don't need anything from anyone. I don't need anything from that requires like work on self. It requires requires all of it sobriety getting fucked up it requires abuse and fucking rising above that if it involves forgiveness of the people that you never thought you'd be able to well, so we're showing up over and over yes i mean this is the ingredients of it so we're talking kind of about the same thing like your way of connecting with people is very similar to the way that i i answered about my relationship with god it's like you meet people and see the best in them and you don't need anything from them so you can just you can just give to them and 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 over time i've found the same thing is like i don't need anything from them i see who they truly are and all i want to do is offer what makes them what makes them feel better it's like yeah and i think coming back to your your question about like non-self, if I could get into that for a second. Yeah, I mean, we're still on that. We are still on that, but if I can address what non-self is. Yeah. I had an idea of who I thought I was moving through the world. So that was a self. And this self disguised itself at a certain point, which is really clever, but it went from being this self that was damaged, victimized. Um, I had this victim mentality. My philosophy in life was basically like taking the extras that are on top because nobody will notice. That was kind of like my thing. My victimhood from painful events of my childhood led me to feel that I always was owed something. And um, so I would take it because nobody was offering it. And so I went through life doing that. And that was kind of my philosophy for the longest time is I'll just take to make up for, and that was a self. This is all a self. It's like, there's the hurt kid, all that stuff. Who's now an addict, who's a musician, who has like who thinks he knows who he is, and is writing songs about it, proclaiming it. You but know? still needs something. Still needs everything. So that was me early life. I get sober at 26. Now there's the sober identity. Now there's the self that's sober that survived the wreckage. There's the self now that's a helpful self, and that self now has been disguised as non-self it's kind of pitched that way in a lot of ways this is a selfless service they say selfless service in early recovery selfless but then they talk about this being a selfish program and it is all these things are true i'm not shitting on aa at all but it's self now so it's been a shift and so i was these variances i was the hurt victimized one and that was the recovery based one and self felt like my personal preference 
cluster based in my life experiences, my culture, you know, what I liked, what I didn't, what records I knew about, what I didn't, all that stuff, just pop culture. I would have said like, oh, I'm a pop culture guy or I'm a musician or I'm a, you know, I'm a a Skid Row survivor. That's a big part of the self. So that was all my experience with it. And when I started meditating, it was like I was practicing on self, but no, I was busy being a meditator, which is fine. It's fine. Fucking do that. It's led me here. So do it half-assed. Do it because you're trying to um, impress somebody. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Just show up to it because it's your best bet is introspection is your best bet. However you get there. I had my little meditation corner. All the practices were really helping meditating on non-self and quitting all my identities and showing up to what happened in life was a, it's a dramatic thing. Motivating myself forward just based in the results of surrender, fucking surrendering every day my idea of what I think I should do. And so it's like surrender is non-self part of it. And the other part is a devotion to show up and practice looking at the world multidimensionally, not being satisfied anymore with solidity, you know, looking at things at their root origins. You know, um, when you do that enough, when you practice that in the world, you know, at first the old world wins every time it wins every time. And maybe you get a glimpse every once in a while of like, God, I could have said that better. Or maybe you did say it better and you're like, wow. I did something other than my old conditioning did. But eventually, over time, it just becomes the bigger thing. It just, you can't see the world. I can't watch this thing without thinking about how it's connected to this thing. I can't. Can you give me an example, though? Like last night. I mean, I came home and I had the experience of being in the car trying to pick a podcast or some music to listen to, and I could see through it all. I was just like, oh, they're doing this thing. It feels like they're selling me on something. This doesn't feel like genuinely sitting down with somebody and hearing a conversation. Or it's like, oh, yeah, that Ram Dass thing. And that, that was really good. But it's like, I kind of hear this all the time in my head anyway now. And like, so that's not it. And so there's nothing to listen to kind of anymore because it's like you've kind of broken it all down for like, you see that I'm trying to be entertained. It's like I'm trying to be entertained in this moment outside of like what's actually here. And so a lot of my time yesterday was actually just driving, you know, and because I'm so unsatisfied and this isn't a big sell for, for uh, non-self, I think, it, you know, because your preferences change and pretty soon you just see where there's bullshit and I don't rebel against it. I'm not, there's no evil in the world to me, but I just, non-self is sort of like, like when you practice it enough, all you do is you see the root origins of things and it kind of frees you up from everything. You have to become somebody to become nobody. Totally. Totally. Is what you just said. The somebodyness is absolutely which is actually, the curriculum. Which is actually Jogam Trumpa. Which is really cool. And Ramdas Parodi. See, and that's because the root origin has been exposed now of this statement we thought was Ramdas. It taken doesn't it matter. Back further, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. Non self is basically that when you take everything apart and put it back in its bin, all the things that go into making the solidity that we call life, if you put all those things back and see them at their core elements, then nothing that's in front of you truly exists, truly exists independent of the entire universe. So basically this whole thing 
is one posing as many, and I can't pretend anymore that as much as we fragment and as much as we separate and as much as we individualize and as much as we, you right. know, get our due, like I can't see that we're not all one. Right. In everything, in every case, and that no one's ever been right, ever, including me. So I'm a devil to somebody. The last thing I'll say about it is the feature of it or the function of non-self when it becomes a dominant aspect of your being is that you move from one thing to the next without thinking about yourself, which is incredibly liberating to be in love with moment to moment to moment to moment. It's incredibly liberating to not have to think about the things that I used to worry about, like getting the right amount of protein in my lunch or whatever the fuck. It's very light now. So it's like the lightest bit taking care of your body and your basic functions. But mostly you're just absorbed in your environment and available to all ceaselessly. And non-self will do that. Self is the only thing that can constrict or like, see, there's no like me. I guess there's no side me that's over here creating a little side world. There's no other me. Some of the great thing about that also when you're a human is that when you're not a self, you can completely be a part of your environment and you can pull no longer from your body's energies, but the energies of the entire room, which are the energies of the universe. And so that's a part of the tirelessness, which I am. I can get four hours sleep, wake up and do a whole day as if nothing affected me and Lacey's watched it. I'm tireless and if anything, I'm getting younger. It's all been to illustrate what's possible. It's fucking good news. See, all the cool people when I was growing up, the cool people who, you know, at times, like, I just never fit in with them, and they picked on me and all that. I felt like they had the secret. They were holding the secret, and they wouldn't give it to me. You know, like, God, if I could just get in there, then they would tell me what the secret is to cool. And then I could be in there and they could share some of their cool potion with me. The cool thing was actually being on the outside of that and not getting it and hurting myself over it and still giving a shit about myself enough to look out for the other people who were like me who weren't let in with the cool crowd and felt left out and got some great life experiences based in it that are helpful And that's where the cool potion is. That's really where it is. The cool people don't have it. They just dress like they do. Talk to me about your identity in Love is the Author. Well, it's interesting you're asking me this today. I don't know if you're going to like the answer. I think that Love is the Author is amazing. And... (laughs) And I was kind of the... breaking up with me. No, 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 no. And I was kind of the one who was like, we need to make that a thing. Yeah. I want it to be the thing that says, this isn't a thing, and go be your own thing in mm. this thing. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, so for me, I feel a part of it. I feel like certainly you and I have a mother-father archetype to us that we've, we've had since we worked in treatment together, you know, we've, um, it's been reflected to us that, that the, those are our roles for people in their lives is like, uh, 
corrective experience of mother and father. And so I certainly see myself as that. And kind of as the mother, as the nurturer, the connector, feed everybody, very, very ma, like very ma. And I also see myself as like my own person outside of any group. Um, And that's really important to me too, is like navigating both of those. And that's kind of what I want for everybody that's a part of this. I want them to feel a part of this and then also fucking be love and take that into the world and it it that having nothing to do with us this is a place to to teach and model but it's also like go like just go like go be love and that's like your only responsibility on this planet and and if you need help along the way I'm here and and you're here for me and yeah you know it's certainly I think deeply important to have community I mean I see the coolest these, thing is not ha- knowing what it is I don't know what it is still when you said like I want to show people the possibility it's like that's really all I hope it to be is like showing people that it's possible to connect with anybody and it's possible to see everybody on the planet as your brothers and sisters not even see it that way that yeah to that's know that it, to know that it is that way right that's all i care about people taking away from this is like we're all the same fucking thing and it's not new information um but if sitting in my space can help you find that space in yourself more strongly or whatever, like that, that's all I care about. And then like, go do something with that. But I don't want to claim that I gave that to anybody. I think it's a fucking amazing, beautiful thing that I, I want to continue to nourish and also like abandon at the same time. I want there to be like a no self to Love is the author. Love is the author behind it all. It's just another way of saying life is going on and it's constantly providing. It's constantly being life. I've used it as the largest part of my inspiration for a number of years. It's like a be here now, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. A, you're right. It's more of a philosophy. It's more yeah. of a philosophy and, and it's birthed from philosophy. I mean, the person who heard Love is the author was studying for years in Buddhism. And that's me. And, and that's a philosophy also and not a religion though it looks like a religion at times because there's ritual and ceremonial objects and chants and meditation and stuff like that. It's just a philosophy. It's an idea of looking at life. That's our world. And I want to work with it all. I want to acknowledge it all. I want to explore it all. Not just a little bit, not just what's comfortable. I want to explore everything, you know, with an open mind, you know, and find out where my preferences are, if there are any, you know, but really still not shutting down on any of this as not being or deemed valuable because I have an assessment. Like that's what we're living in is in a culture that says based in assessments that some things aren't valuable and that's bullshit. And I peacefully will not stand for it, you know, in the way that I live. Is it hard to love me? No, I'm having an elevated experience. Why would it be unconventional to love someone like me? Because you move around a lot, I guess. You don't stay anywhere for very long. Physically, mentally, spiritually, you know? Like, we're really growing, I think, at a pretty extraordinary rate. And and certainly you. And so, like, I can't 
hold you to any version of yourself you have been, which is something we've we've decided we'd do with each other. But there are moments when I would like to. And what would that look like? Like, I mean, what are the parts that you miss in those moments? It's all you answering and acting in a way that I'm wanting you to act and answer. And that really happens these days because you're your own fucking person. And and so like I'm in a relationship with something that I can't solidify. Does it feel like an intruder? No, because you and I, like even though it's changing recently, like there still is an established trust that you and I have. And it's because of moving through all that we've moved through. So like, as much as I w- want to say there isn't th- anything I can't I can't hold on to, what I can hold on to is that I know you're a good person. Mm. Like, I know you're a good person. I know you're motivated by the right things, by things that won't hurt other people. Mm. But it just may not be my preference sometimes. Sure. Or whatever the preference is at the moment that I'm having of you, whether it's like you being physically close to me more or you like i said just like making a choice that i want you to make that that you're not making Uh uh-huh you know in relationship there's conversation about um compromise and there isn't really compromise in our relationship and i mean that in a good way like it's just (laughs) like (laughs) like i trust you that you're doing your thing and that that's motivated by non-harm and service to others and i trust that i'm motivated by the same thing and and then we share that together but i don't think there's a lot of hey let's meet in the middle about this thing (laughs) you know it's just that we share a very similar way of being as individuals and that allows for whatever left there is of a relationship here to be here but i don't even know do we have boundaries boundaries do you know i have boundaries i guess like the question Not is really no because there would have to be something to have a boundary oh, for. i know I mean, one like in the last year was like if you and i have agreed that it's jamie and Lacey time which is very rare uh-huh like most jamie and Lacey time is shared with other people yes these days for sure but if there is <laughs> if there is <laughs> fucking um, alex is on our bed I'm right now looking over at this which i like am obsessed with i love that um but like if there is specific jamie and Lacey time like we're gonna go have dinner together or we're gonna go just it's our day which i do still need and i think that you and i still both benefit from that the boundary has been like hey if we're in that space i can't have you like staring off into the world seeing who you can help (laughs) (laughs) and then like she catches me and then like desert me because you're like running towards somebody that you deem needs help and i'm like with my brussels sprouts and my margarita like bummed out I think, but that says something about the thing, right? That's pushing, that's driving this thing. Because Jesus Christ, who fucking in their off time of being Jamie Carpenter would be looking for people at the table with their beautiful partner in front of them? Who the fuck would be doing that? Yeah, but we've, but we've insane. No, but we've identified where there was. There was there was yeah. mild yeah. self burning off yeah. in that, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's changed true. over time. So I don't even yeah. know if that boundary still exists because I right. think that you're you're seeing the value in turning off momentarily. Yeah, no, I just I'm and now I'm so clued into 
what's appropriate for every situation. And it's not each situation brings its own thing, even if it looks the same as the day before. Every situation is bringing its own thing. And so there isn't any prerequisite. I recently noticed, like, you and Alex were in Joshua Tree, like, you're so in the flow of your life that you really don't need. I still need a little bit. You know, and then, like, when we reconnected later in the the week, it was nice to feel you say, like, there's something here that isn't anywhere else between you and I. Yeah, that was nice to find. I always find that. (laughs) You do. You do tend to find that. But, like... You know, there's a little bit of need in me, and and I'm okay with that. I I'm confident that that if it remains, I can navigate it. But I have a feeling it's just going to continue to burn off because I'm I'm really becoming good friends with myself. Yeah, friendship is said often. Friendship is the way that we describe most people that we're acquaintances with, and some are these deeper relationships. And I think that you and I have a friendship. I think we've flushed out all of what's available within that title. Yeah. And, and continue to flush out more. Yeah. True friendship is really seeing the best in the other person and doing everything you can to support that person. Or mostly getting out of their way. I really know that your liberation is the most important thing to you. And like... My liberation equals using this Jamie body to serve beings in constancy. That's what my liberation equals. It's not like, oh, good, you know, I'm liberated. Now I can get the fuck right. out no, of here and no, that's enjoy true. my life. No, that's true. That's and a good so, thing to distinguish. You know, this liberation that I've been seeking has been for this very moment. And now I'm able to just do it without having to think about my body. Yeah, like your liberation isn't like fucking shit, like any chick you want. Why give me? Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. true. No, right. your liberation is to service, so I can handle that. Lacey and I have a monogamous relationship, but it's also like pretty much like an open relationship like it's all the things that an open relationship would have where you're just like not trying to lay your trip or your construct on somebody else or basically two spiritual practitioners who fell in love but have been in the greater relationship with ourselves throughout the period of time that we've been in this relationship and we've been sharing the best and at times the worst with each other, all in the service of fueling and inspiring more spiritual practice. And we've found a way to do that, living in the same house, uh, operating in the same centers, driving, carpooling everywhere, being virtually inseparable for so long. And now we're kind of in this phase where my spiritual practice has kind of launched me out into the world ceaselessly. So these conventional aspects of our origination, quality time, and sort of all that stuff have drastically changed more recently. And she has had to let me go more uh, in the world, which she's been releasing me since we first got together. I've been somebody that people have been drawn to. Sometimes they're attractive people, and that can be challenging in any relationship. And it has met minimal challenges in this relationship. Lacey has uh, released me to people left and right based in the merits of my actions. There's a lot of egolessness in this relationship because if there wasn't, then we would be seeking things that aren't here. So in summary, love as the author is a thing, but it's not a thing. (laughs) We don't know what the fuck it is, but it's cool. It's fucking cool to have your listenership. It's cool that we haven't asked you for anything. You know, that we don't know what it is, that it seems to have a it's a beneficial message that resonates from people getting it tattooed on their skulls. 
to uh, people tagging it in their thing or people carrying it as an inspiring notion in the world. It's a thing and it's not a thing. We don't know what it is, but for now it's this. It's a podcast and it's a philosophy. It's cool that something's happening, you know, that there's this window into creative and spiritual people and I'm doing this passionately and I'm not asking anything in return. And I'm not going to until I absolutely need to. And I hope that day never comes in some way. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing community. It feels infinite. We certainly have something to offer, which is just love. My favorite thing currently is not making any decisions that aren't pressing, you know, just in life at all. Just if you have time... Just remain open until you absolutely have to make a decision and and keep an open mind and gather information all along the way. And so far, love is the author's love. love.